0: social workers break room this is Imelda and I'm Jennifer and today we bring you ask us anything an instagram ama with Imelda and Jennifer it's like a first date we're spilling beans sharing all the secrets
1: looking at Imelda I'm like what am I about to learn
0: (laughs) stay with us
1: So we put ourselves out there on this one and let you ask us anything. So today we're going to be responding to your questions. So we'll kind of start at the top, tell you what the question was and, you know, respond. So first up was talking about the choice between counseling and social work. And Imelda knows this is definitely one of my soapboxes. So the difference is really going to be in career options and kind of view of how the world works. So the best analogy that I've, you know, kind of come up with here as I've explained this to folks over time is that maybe you're trying to like fix a project or like, you know, do something around the house. So a substance use counselor would be like a tool belt. You brought the exact tools you need for the job. No more, no less. You have exactly those skills. You're really good at them. They're probably some expensive tools. A counselor is more like a toolbox, right? Like you've got a couple layers. You've got some other stuff you can go through. Even if it wasn't the first thing you pulled out to solve the problem, you've got other options. Mm -hmm. And then social workers are like Home Depot, Having everything at your fingertips at all times. So, because social workers, again, practice from the micro, meso, macro framework. So, working both with individuals, working with communities, and working with entire systems, social workers are politicians, they are researchers, they are lobbyists, they are psychotherapists, they are program developers, they are professors, they are educators. There's a neat uh, infographic that was put together by the University of Oklahoma that's like 100 jobs in social work. Mm One of the main differences between counseling and social work is you're not going to find a hundred jobs in counseling. You know what you can do with a counseling injury? Counseling. Be a counselor. So, if you want to do anything else, you know, it's a master's degree. They both take time. They both have an internship. They both have licensure requirements in pretty much all of the 50 states. But do you want to have options? It's again, same amount of time, money, and requirements. But if you ever decide to do something outside of psychotherapy, a lot of counselors end up having to go back to school. Mm-hmm. So, overall, social work is going to be a much better investment as far as degrees go.
0: I saw a meme, well, you show it to me, actually, <laughs> that um, it says that social workers are the Swiss army knife of healthcare. Of healthcare. Yeah, so yeah. We, we, we can do everything. That was what my boss said. That's totally a quote from him,
1: which yeah. I think shows that even people outside the field can see it. Mm-hmm. One of the other questions we asked was about UK or United Kingdom relevant social work. And as much as Mel and I both love the UK, there are folks much better suited to talk about that and the interesting nuances there. Uh, One of the best kind of accounts and resources on this, I think, is Social Work Tutor. So they're at Social Work Tutor on Instagram, but the community really exists and the Facebook page is much bigger. And then there's also a Facebook group that goes with that Mm -hmm. Facebook page. So if you want to learn more about Social Work in the United Kingdom, down their social workers that are in England, are in London, are in Wales, are in Ireland, um, are in a number of places and can provide you a lot of specific information on like international social work and what their university system looks like. You know, one of the biggest differences is here with an MSW, you can be a psychotherapist or a social worker. In other countries, that's not the case because their educational programs don't prepare you for the same kind of, you know, roles yeah. to have in society. So a little bit different there, but that's going to be a great resource if you're looking to learn more about that. And I think... Um
0: and Just the same way, I feel like in the, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later on the episode, but how social work is viewed or perceived or utilized in the community in different countries is different than the way we do it in the US. You know, a few years ago, I visited Ireland and when one of the meetings with one of the university professors, they mentioned like, well, one of the main things that we don't do here is that in the U.S., social workers are mainly mental health professionals, and in some other countries, or including Ireland, social workers are more focused on um, community building, advocacy, mm. building community programs more like macro focus, um, and we're more focused on or our programs at least at universities are more focused on training mental health professionals. So.
1: Yeah. So speaking of, a lot of you wanted to know about kind of social work abroad and what that looks like. So Amelda and I have both traveled with an organization called the Council on International Programs. And as always, anything we mention in this episode is going to be linked in the resources Mm -hmm. page on our website for the episode. So they promote international understanding through professional development and cross-cultural exchanges. So kind of long story short, they have programs where social workers all over the world may be hosted in your town. And you get to do fun things like you could host a social worker in your home. You could be doing a social work activity. Like, for example, I've taken them to a local needle exchange. Or you could be doing some like touristy fun stuff like driving to California and taking them to Disneyland for the first time or up to the Grand Canyon. And then on the flip side, they also have opportunities for you to travel to other countries and work with their social workers and residents. So, for example, I went to Costa Rica and met up with sociologists there. They don't quite have an exact equivalency for social work, um, and it's amazing because you know they have universal health care there and they've hugely expanded social safety nets, which is radically different. But also, you know, a neighboring country, Nicaragua, are under a dictatorship right now, which could be its own whole episode. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of refugees emigrating to. Costa Rica, which changes the social services landscape. So during my time there, you know, we met with refugees. We did practical things, right? Provided childcare at a free dental clinic, as well as met with sociology students who were facing a lot of the same challenges, especially around like the progression of LGBTQ issues. And then we did some work in other parts of the country, like Ortega and Bolson, particularly again, not going in to save anyone. We don't do white saviorism here, which yep. by the way, if you don't follow at No Saviors on Instagram... You really should. Uh, they're also social workers, and incredible humans. But again, we were supporting practical needs, like we provided childcare or you know leading uh, yoga during an established women's mutual aids group. And
0: I know, Amelda, uh, you had also gone a couple times. Yeah, I I've been part of the same. The same program the council international programs with uh, the local chapter here in Arizona and I've been fortunate enough that I've gone through uh, quite a few of those trips probably like four now um, my very first one was to the Netherlands more specifically to to Amsterdam um, I went to Ireland one time and uh, Scandinavia and Eastern Europe as well um, but I think like I wanted. to talk more about my experience of the Netherlands because this was my very first time traveling abroad. Um, I, you know, I've been back and forth in Mexico, but that's where I was born. So I don't really count it as abroad. Um, it's all part of the same. But um, traveling to the Netherlands was uh, like big culture shock and like eye opening for me. I came back. I would tell everyone about like what I learned, how things are different, how they're doing things much better in this, in terms of like social services. And I know that it's kind of hard to compare because, you know, we're such a large nation compared to the size of the Netherlands, but um, they are doing some like really progressive things that uh, they just work. Um, So some of the, one of the things that is stuck with me the most is that, um, we visited the university and I was able to learn how like their social work programs runs and their, you know, their focuses and experiences, like I mentioned, and social work in other countries looks very different because they are more of like community builders and advocates. And they are like those rebels, you know, who <laughs> are like always fighting for social justice. Um, and they don't focus so much on mental health or, you know, psychotherapy. Um, so for example, we visited, um, the Museum of Prostitution where we met uh, a social worker who was also like Part of running the the museum and um, educating people on prostitution, because if you know, as you know, prostitution in Amsterdam is legal and is regulated by the government. Um, so we got to learn how this came about and actually how the government and you know the licensing entity that provides the li- license for pro- uh, for sex workers um, it actually protects them mm-hmm. and 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 makes sure that things are running smoothly. So for example. Um, um, they have some specific regulations that sex workers have to go through so they have to do um, you know regular testing for stds and you know some other um things that they have to they have to have in order like their documentation every every year so they have their license in order so in order to have, in order to be, for them to be able to um, rent a space at the Red Light District which is, you know, the world famous Red Light District uh, where they can rent a space uh, to provide their services, they have to have a license. And one of the Benefits of doing this is that one, they pay they pay taxes, so they are uh, report as you know, self employed, and two is that the because it's legal and is regulated, the local um, enforcement agencies they're able to provide protection for them. So one thing that we learned is that in the in the rooms that the red light district that they have this like emergency buttons, mm-hmm. so when so the sex worker. Uh, has the right to refuse at any point to s- refuse services or completely stop any activities if she doesn't or or they if they don't feel um they don't feel comfortable with you know the interaction they're having with a client so they have these panic buttons where they hit them and then um, law enforcement comes in right away and they're able to you know remove the individual from the room so this creates like more of a, a safe space and a safe way of providing their their services so this was like very shocking for a lot of the people that we were in the in the group on mm-hmm. the international trip people were like wait how like just was just so out of the ordinary and out of the box and what we have been taught that it's like right and wrong Another thing that I learned and, you know, I'm, this, this model that I want to actually look more into it. Uh, we visited a local shelter where this was this house that it was, um, subsidized by, by the, by the city. But it was a, it w- I wouldn't call it a homeless shelter because they, like, this was their home. Uh, but this is, um, individuals who were on the streets so or were unhoused and they, they fill out an application, they did an interview process, and then they received housing at, at this house where I think there was like maybe like 10 or 15 of them living in the same, in the same place, um, and they all had different tasks or different responsibilities to complete. So if there was, uh, you know, one or two individuals who were not able to work outside of the home, and then they were the ones in re- responsible for the cleaning and the cooking and, you know, doing some of the more like domestic tasks mm-hmm. and the individuals who um, had more skills to be able to work outside of the house than they were the ones working. And so there was uh, uh, just this community of mutual help. And even though the house was subsidized by, by the city, um, it was not one single person was paid. Like, there was no staff overseeing things like they will have someone come in maybe once a week or every two weeks just to check that you know things were working fine they didn't need anything but um we had a chance to sit down with with the residents of this 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 mutual um aid housing and they all express how this model has changed their lives uh how it has allow them to connect with other people who are going through the same struggles, who understand what it is to be um, in, in that situation and just they help each other. So it was a, an eye-opening uh, because I don't think we have that type of, those type of services, um, you know, here, here in the US or at least not here in Arizona where we just trust people that they are going to do the best that they can for themselves. Another one of the questions you
1: asked was, what was our first job, what's our current job, and what our dream job is in social work? And I think this is a great question. So uh, my first job was in hospice care. So I had actually done my BSW internship at a local hospice. And when I graduated with my MSW, decided to go work for them full time. And being a hospice social worker is amazing. Um, It is really intense, right? You're around death, and, you know, people really allow you to step into the worst days of their life. And, you know, whether you're providing resources or hope or support or a listening ear or education, you can have an incredible impact on folks. And one of the things that I love about hospice is it does have an incredibly flexible schedule. Most of my coworkers had, you know, really young children. We're doing, you know, the school drop-off and pickup, um, And you can have such an impact on people. You know, the hospice is for folks, you know, in the U.S. who are estimated to have about six months left to live it is covered by Medicare. So the social workers, we do all of kind of the long-term planning paperwork. We do all the power of attorneys. We help get folks into group homes or skilled nursing facilities or memory care for the right level of care, help them apply for benefits, help them do things like plan the funeral, you know, who are their animals going to go to, and also help them remain comfortable and often more times, you know, more educated and less anxious about kind of what do the next steps look like? How will I know? when I'm going to go? How do I make sure that my loved ones you know know about me and you know can we go through scrapbooks together? You can have some incredible family time together at the end of life. Uh, My current job is you know I work in collaborative care which I could talk about all day every day. I really think it is one of the greatest benefits and CPT codes that Medicare has ever assigned, you know, we know that patients are already going to their primary care office. So why not provide them mental health services where they already go and where they already trust their provider and where they can afford to go, right? Collaborative care bills at the cost of a PCP copay, which is much more affordable than somebody paying for weekly therapy via cash or paying for a specialty copay for a psychiatrist. So I run that. I have a team of about 30 people, oversee a couple states, um, have been there for a number of years and love that. I'm also, Isabel and I mentioned a couple times, a professor at the university and do course development so that more social workers can take more social work courses uh, and really have a love for social work education. I really have a love for management. I think that comes from I want to make more radical, loved, intelligent, cared for social workers into the world. So, you know, doing that both through management, clinical supervision, and education is really a passion of mine. But thinking of dream job, you know, I think really I'd love to run and radicalize a large program. Um, I've had the privilege of having a number of kind of financial aspects to my career, right, run revenue cycle and utilization management departments. So, I feel like maybe one of my next steps is to say, hey, you know if we have the funding or if we find the funding and we make things a priority you know we can really change some of these programs or some of these institutions to actually work for the people they were intended to be created for so I think that's kind of more my dream job is eventually run and radicalize a large program what about you Imelda? Hmm.
0: I mean I have some ideas of what I want to do in the future but um, I can start with sharing my first job my first job was um I was still finishing my undergraduate degree in psychology and I got this internship, um, as part of my program and I ended up staying there after graduation. I stayed there for about three years. My first year was my internship and then I stayed there two or three more years after that. Um, and it was a community mental health agency. So, um, I had, I was working specifically with uh, children in the after school program so we had a program from 2 p.m. till 8 p.m. it was a very structured program so there was um children whose uh, parents were pro- uh, receiving mental health services or you know behavioral health services through the agency and you know the children were also part of like the you know the family service plan um so we had children some of them uh had a lot of uh behavioral needs uh you know just behaviors that were kind of like difficult to to manage um so i learned a whole lot uh, There was a lot of learning a lot of building patience and building trust with children that have been through probably the, the system for a long time there were children who had been in foster care and then they were like placed back with their parents so their parents were you know working on their own things building their own like uh, parenting skills and the children will come to us um, to learn some of those coping mechanisms too that, um, that they needed in order to function you know uh, in their homes and things like that so it was a a great learning experience I was there for about three years and then I started with um, working in the the children's program so it was like five-year-olds to 12-year-olds and then Mm -hmm. after that I transitioned to the teen program which was super fun Uh, and then I was running the the teen program uh, was 12 year olds through um, 17. So we did a lot of fun activities and a lot of, you know, hard to hard conversations. Um, I really enjoyed that, that job. Um, so that was my very, my very first one. And then I transitioned after that to other positions and case management and working in uh, different shelters. Um, then I worked at a school for some time as well. Um, I feel like my common denominator has been working with the children and youth. Mm -hmm. Um, I I really enjoy working with that population. Um, And my current position, um, I, well, you know, throughout my career, I have transitioned more into a more of a macro setting um, for the past few years and working more in community development, advocacy, um, fundraising. So right now I am a... uh, I'm development director for a national charity um, that ensures that children have access to quality um, healthcare services and um, and affordable healthcare services. So the the services that the hospital provides are uh, completely free for for the families and for the children. So we we need a lot of money to run <laughs> the hospital. So uh, one of my main tasks is to, to connect local businesses and local corporations to the mission of our, of our organization, our hospital, um, and fundraise for, for the children that we serve. And, um, I love, I love my job. I love what I do. I get to connect with, um, with local organizations for a greater, Mission, um, and I feel like it throughout my career, like access to healthcare has been like one of my, you know, staple um, missions, or you know, just the uh, um, one of my passions. Um, so, and you know, that with the job that I currently do, and I'm also the, the this is a volunteer position, but I'm the the president of a local clinic, volunteer-run clinic um, that provides free services for. Underserved and mostly undocumented individuals. So, which you know, access to to quality healthcare services, um, it's it's so important for me uh, because I believe that healthcare is a human right. Um, so, my dream job—I don't know—that's that's a big one. I have always wanted to run my own nonprofit uh, and I get like the more I dive into, you know, different, different projects and, you know, get more experience and, in different fields. Um, I feel like something that has something related to, um, to access to healthcare. Mm. Um, so that will be one of the, one of the things, especially as, as relates to the, to the Latino community. But I don't know. I feel like my dream job is whatever, My skills are needed and whatever my expertise is needed, whether that is me building my own um, nonprofit or my own organization or, you know, moving up to running a local nonprofit that is already well established that um, I can help continue growing. I don't know. We'll see. I think I guess I I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) Still don't know. Still don't know. But I know I want to make an impact and continue making an impact the way, you know, I've been doing it. So um, I don't think I will ever go into full, like, corporate, completely not related to social work or anything <laughs> like that. I don't think that will ever fill my cup. No, no, no nope.
1: business analyst, certified public accountant, Amelda. <laughs> I was going to say maybe, maybe Clown Academy. Maybe Clown Academy. <laughs> You never know. Never you can know. pivot at any time.
0: It, it, could be, it could be my passion that I haven't. You know, my social college. work is
1: diverse. I don't
0: know if it's that diverse, so, though. I don't know.
1: Maybe, Maybe I don't know. there is an MSW equivalency in Clown College. Clown College. So it turns out all of you had such excellent questions for Amelda and I that we couldn't fit them into just one episode so we hope you thought this was interesting feel free to slide into our DMs with more questions and we will see you on part 2 of Imelda and I's Instagram Q&A see you then